is Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and Android. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This episode of The Swirl Suite is sponsored by In Good Taste, a global winery in the comfort of your home. With all of us being home full time, I can only speak for me. I've been eating and drinking a lot more. Through their single glass bottles, In Good Taste helps me experience new wines and new memories in one 187 milliliter serving. That's one glass of wine, y'all. In Good Taste offers packages of 8 or 25 mini bottles of wine from across the world. Check out InGoodTaste.com and use coupon code VINEMEUP for a 10% discount. This week's Black Business Shoutout is our very own Bernie Williams of Chats Wine and Liquor. He happens to be our special guest on this episode, and he has a lot of history in this city. We hope you enjoy it. Just to warn you, the sound may be a little bit muffled, so you might have to turn your volume up. Bernie is working in the shop while doing this interview, so bear with us. Cheers. Hey, Bernie, how are you? Hey, doing well. How about yourself? Good. How are you, ladies? Good. How are you? Very well. But thank you all so much, very much for having me on. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You are a staple in this city. So we had to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you, it's my honor. It's my honor to really, (laughs) you know, since we can't have those tastings and I can see you, see your face, you know, in the places often. Yeah. Definitely the next best thing. Yeah. We're Conducting business, I'm kind of doing this out on the floor. So uh, <laughs> I see. So hey, apologies. Well, that's good. Come in no. and tap my shoulder and say, "Hey, I need that wine, man." Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we no appreciate problem. you taking the time. We know you are yes. super busy. Yeah, multitasking. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. absolutely, Bernie. Please introduce nice. yourself to everybody. Nice. Well, I'm Bernie Williams. I am a second generation owner here at Tap Liquors on Barrett's Row. Our address is 503 8th Street, Southeast Washington, D.C. Um, we've been in operation for a few decades uh, here, uh, 42 years oh, we, nice. uh, we've been nice. in this location. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to, happy to be here. Uh, an assortment of uh, wine, spirits, and beer, cigars for, for all palates. All right. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, so, oh no, you go ahead, Glennis. I was just, I was trying to pull up the question so I didn't out, you know, <laughs> mess up the script, <laughs> but I, was, I wasn't fast enough. So you said that your, your family has been in business 42 years. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. That's correct. Can you give, do you have some back, background or some, the story about how, was that your grandfather? who started the business or your grandmother who started the business? No, actually, uh, my father got into the business um, back in 1978. Um, the backstory, and I don't know how, 
how much time you want for me. Long story <laughs> or the short story. I can get a little long-winded here, so bear with me. <laughs> Cut me off if you need to. But uh, my parents are from North Carolina. They both grew up in North Carolina um, in uh, Berkeley County. And they met in high school. Oh, um, yeah, my father's kind of smitten with this, this as a senior, a young freshman coming in, you know, freshman <laughs> class. And uh, after he graduated, and of course, there was really not a lot of dating going on back then. My great-grandfather um, wouldn't have my mom at all going on any type of date <laughs> with any type of guy coming, you know, shooter looking that early. So uh, they uh, maintained a friendship and a, and a distant love for quite a while. Uh, they went off to college. Uh, they both graduated. Well, my father was um, en route to visit some of his sisters in Illinois. Stopped by through here and in D.C. where my mother had, uh, my mother's family ended up after she graduated. And uh, so he stopped by to see her and uh, pretty much never left. Wow. Um, fast forward a little bit of time. Um, uh, he was working for another retailer here on Capitol Hill. And that retailer, um, there was a, 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 a gentleman who had two sons about my dad's age. Uh, and my dad knew that the ceiling was only so high that he could elevate to, although he had a wonderful customer base, his customer service skills were impeccable, um, to the point where he was ready to make a move and decided uh, eventually, with uh, thinking about it, discussing with my mom, um, they were at this time married um, with my sister, Opal, uh, and my mother was pregnant with me at the time, actually. They decided to... Uh, like out on their own and opened up their own business. Well, fortunately, they were able to find Chats Liquors here, which had been boarded up, uh, you know, history of all the major cities here in the States. You know, after 68, there was, you know, a bit of uh, uh, flight that happened um, from communities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there were um, some communities that had businesses and their corridors, the business corridors boarded up for a bit. It was a difficult time here on Bear Shore at that time, but um, he decided to take the boards off and reopen Chats Liquors. Um, now, Chats Liquors was originally opened back in 1934. Mm-hmm. So we are the oldest um, retail liquor license on Capitol Hill. We're the wow. oldest um, liquor store wine shop on Capitol Hill. Um, I think the fifth or sixth oldest citywide. Hmm. Um, and so the original family, the Chatlin family, C-H-A-T-L-I-N, is where that uh, sort of surname Chats originated. And uh, and um, so it's always been Chats Liquors since, ni- pardon me, <laughs> it's always been Chats Liquors since 1934. And uh, it's, it's been, once again, since 1978, February 1st of 1978, that uh, my family was owned and operated. Now, um, my father and mother were the original owners, but I did have a grandmother, my maternal grandmother, my mom's mom. Uh, she actually managed the place back okay. in the 70s up through her passing in 1992. Wow. So there were certainly three generations of uh, management here um, and plenty of cousins and other family members who worked in these uh, four walls for, for a long period of time. Uh, uh, up until up including my, myself and my sister Opal, who was with us for a little bit, and uh, she's been going to, and uh, now it's position. So uh, I had to kick her out eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your father never made it to Illinois, is what you're saying? The long- <laughs> my father never made it to Illinois. <laughs> 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 my sister was just looking for me. 
it didn't happen. <laughs> it did not happen. Oh, that's a good. So I have a question. Like how there are so many businesses that come to DC and they fail. Mm -hmm. How did you guys sustain yourselves for so long? Oh my goodness. Um, If there's any, if there's any uh, one word, sacrifice, right? Um, Um, The sacrifices that have to be made um, and when you commit yourself to opening a small business. And I think it was a mentality, you know, that my parents had, you know, um, their generation, especially, uh, they, they knew what hard work looked like. And they uh, understood that there were opportunities. But, you know, no opportunity is going to be fruitful unless you put that hard work in. And so uh, that dedication to um, operating the business, making some smart uh, moves early on, mm-hmm. um, uh, which included securing the property. You know, my dad used to always say, you, you can, uh, you, you, uh, your destiny isn't in your own hands if someone else owns where you lay your head and yeah. where you do your business. So it's important to, um, to, to own you know, your, your place of business. Otherwise, you are beholden to a landlord and you're beholden to um, increases of, of uh, rent. And that can push you, push you out, you know? So um, definitely hard work and making some great investments early on. Um, saving, 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 reinvesting. So um, I'll say that first and foremost. Yeah, and then when I came about, you know, my father had, uh, had been here for 21 years, and of course we lost him back in 1999, uh, the summer of 1999. And so my sister and I made a decision, well, my mom, my mom also was a small business owner. She, um, her name Ophelia, uh, was her, her business name as well, Ophelia's Flowers, she ran for about 25 years, right next door to our location, right on the corner here at, at 501 8th Street. Um, and the three of us sat down and we decided, well, what are we going to do with the shop after my father passed away? Uh, my sister and I, um, for some reason, had these bright ideas that we could keep it going <laughs> and uh, quickly realized how much work it would be. Uh, but, you know, uh, you kind of knew what it took, um, having two parents that had small businesses, uh, knew it was going to be some work. But when I came in, um, especially, I knew I wanted to take on the challenge of really developing the wine program here. Um, at that time, back in 1999-2000, we could kind of see the writing was on the wall for a bit of gentrification to happen here in wow. our area. And uh, the demographics uh, kind of showed that uh, there would be an opportunity um, to kind of not do business as normal, which, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it was all a brand thing. So the majority of customers that came into your shop, they, came, they had one or they had their first choice for a beverage that they're going to drink. So guy was coming in and he said he was a Crown Royal man. He was going mm-hmm. to grab Crown Royal. If you didn't have Crown Royal, then maybe he'll get a Johnny Walker Red or Johnny Walker Black. If you didn't have, didn't have that, maybe a do it. Likewise for a Hennessy drinker. Didn't have Hennessy, then I'll drink a Bossier or maybe a Remy Martin. Right. But everyone walked through the door with a particular mindset of what they were going to be drinking. When they, before they walked through the door, they had mm-hmm. three options. That's all they knew. That's all they wanted to know. That was that. Well, I thought this was an opportunity to 
I learned as much as I could about the wine and spirit, not only uh, the industry. Instantly, I was able to utilize Terrence Whiskey um, for my studies in undergrad, um, being a business major. But, I mean, the craft of wine, making, um, caring, just the enjoyment and culture around it, I had to learn all that um, when I got into the business sector. And so I dedicated myself to learning about the products that I carry so that instead of just being beholden to um, the major brands that are in the marketplace, I could make selections in a very thoughtful manner that I thought could add value to our brand as a wine spirit shop. Um, whereas now people come into the shop and I'll say out of every 10 people, at least half of those people are coming in saying, not knowing what they're going to drink. They come in and they'll say, hey, Bernie, what am I drinking tonight? Or Bernie, I'm having this food or it's a particular occasion. Um, lead me. Um, and so that's a much more powerful way of doing business when you have more control, when you're able to actually um, create a business model where uh, you're free maybe from uh, the industry norms, the industry pressures and, and, and so forth. Um, so, you know, there's, the, I'll, I'll say that uh, taking that step and being able to take that step uh, after my father was, had passed away to really usher in this new century, we're doing something, of building a model in a slightly different manner. We're still in the same world. Customer service is still of utmost importance. Uh, selection is of utmost importance, but it's more so about um, being able to navigate uh, and, and introduce our customer base to fun, new, exciting productions from all around the world. Nice. Um, and so that's kind of how we've continued maybe our success in the last uh, 20 years. Bernie, has the um, people's palate, are they more adventurous now? Or are they still very conservative? Are they like, oh, I don't drink Chardonnay. I'm just going to have you know, a Pinot Grigio, or are they trust in you because of the service that you provide that you can lead them in that direction? Oh, I'll say definitely folks are much more adventurous these days. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've seen just over time, uh, and I kind of go back to that reference I made about 30 years ago, the people kind of had a lane that they were in when it came to Wine of Spirit, but they didn't really deviate much. Um, now it's more about an experience. It's more about um, being turned on to something new. So uh, the weekly wine tastings that we were having before COVID hit, you know, and the weekly um, spirit tastings that we were having, uh, literally, I think people would find it very exciting to come in and try something totally brand new that they hadn't tried before, just spend a little bit of time with us. Um, and, and you may discover something that you have never had. Right. But at the same time, I think just the palate of um, most individuals now, the um, interaction that you have with social media, you know, uh, if, if your friend is across the pond and they're enjoying some great Italian wine, mm -hmm. you know, well, if they're tweeting about it or uh, pictures on Instagram and maybe I've never had a Brunello from Montesino before, but Am I willing to try it just yeah. on my friend's recommendation because they're saying it's great? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so much of what we do when it comes to food and beverage uh, is part entertainment. And 
So we don't want to watch the same movie over and over and over again. You might have your favorite, but uh, the same thing uh, applies here, I think, with, with beverages. You don't, drinking the same thing over and over and over day in, day out, especially in this day and age where we have access to so much, then, I mean, you're doing yourself a good job. Right. Do you feel um, you may, do you feel that, I will say, I'm going to use some slang back in the day, because that they had the same, they wanted the Johnny Walker or what they were used to drinking is because they knew what they were paying for, you know, versus today. Back then, you, you had some, um, what you what you call it, not dispose, not as much of a disposable income versus that you that some of us have now. So we're like, okay, we don't mind now saying I'm gonna buy this twenty five dollar bottle. You know, this is part of my weekend disposable income. But back in the day, it's like I can't buy a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue or Johnny Walker Black and not have never tasted it before, because my income is not necessarily like that. You think economics has yeah. something to do with the adventurousness, as they say? Well, um, I think to a to an extent, right? I mean, you have, you have to consider that, right? right? To an extent, um, economics does play a big part. I mean, um, but I mean, back in that day, Crown Royal wasn't drinking low. You know, Bobby <laughs> Walker, even red and black, wasn't drinking low. I mean, he had Bella Cough and MD2020 if you wanted to go low, <laughs> right? And that's, and to um, point, that's but, correct, because they knew, okay, <laughs> I'll spend this dollar on this because I know what it tastes like. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. But I think uh, <laughs> for sure, um, culture has evolved, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, the culture in, in wine consumption has evolved here in the state right. across the board right. from top to bottom. And especially um, in, in, uh, in a city like Washington, D.C. Okay, I mean, there's such a you say disposable income. Yeah, absolutely. Folks have a lot more disposable income nowadays. Um, uh, just the, the, the wealth of, of travel people um, mm -hmm. in, in this city, especially in, in every major city nowadays, is far greater than possibly it was before. And or uh, the spread, the breadth, the, the, the reach of those individuals, the, the, even within this city, where I may have dinner on Barracks Row, I may uh, go up to Adams Morgan for drinks. Right. I may head to the waterfront, you know, to walk the the, the waterfront by this Georgetown or here at the Naval the Yard. Right. I mean, just ac access, you know, access the flow of um, information, um, the full enjoyment of of our region and the various little pockets of our city and so forth. Um, all of these things, I think, play into a cultural, you know, um, uh, 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 a, a cultural openness and, and wanting to and willing to invest in experiences that we didn't necessarily have 20, 30, 40 years ago. Exactly. You know, not only yeah. as African Americans, but just even as a broad, you know, right. um, uh, diverse city that right. we are as, as Washington, D.C. So certainly when folks are picking up bottles of, um, of beverages these days, I think part of it is the entertainment factor. You know, um, I think part of it is investing in an experience.
experience. So if I'm having a dinner and I'm creating some particular meal, just instead of going out and grabbing a yellowtail off the shelf, which is fine to do, right? But uh, if you are are creating, oh, I hope I, I hope you all aren't any sponsorship. We're, we're very season. offended. <laughs> we all own stock in yellowtail. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Which is a great point. I mean, they, they changed the game. They changed the game. But instead of, you know, just saying, hey, I made this amazing dinner. I'm having, you know, a couple dozen, a dozen friends over and I'm just going to serve yellowtail, then come out and actually have wines that are paired with your courses, have right. a pair of teeth, have something to finish the, the meal with. Um, and it, it, it enhances the entire experience. And mm -hmm. certainly people are turned on to that these days, probably more so than before, um, and to a wider extent, you know, a greater breadth of folks. Because, as you mentioned, access and opportunity um, really does happen when those economic barriers are, are shattered. Mm -hmm. Excellent, I agree. I remember the last time, well, no, I remember the first time I was looking for a black winemaker and I went into your shop and I said, do black people make wine? Like I need a black wine maker, but I don't know where to search for one. Yeah. And you ran down all of the black winemakers during that time. And I was like, wow, yeah. all right. And you happen yeah. to have one. Yeah. It might've been like something like Seven Sisters or something like that, but you have always had okay. an array of black wine producers in your shop. Um, has that been a priority for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, it has been. And, um, you know, I remember a time when I would go out to trade shows and, you know, you're seeing uh, these producers from all over the world. And uh, number one, none of those producers look like you at all. Um, and you're speaking to them and they have such history in this thing, right? been doing it for generations and generations and generations right. it's like you know well well why is it that you know we aren't represented on that side of the table let alone when i look on the side of the table i'm standing on i'm looking around and we are represented on, mm -hmm. on the other side either you know buyers at that time 20 years ago um restaurateurs uh shop owners and so forth you just didn't you just didn't see uh on the on the buyer side either um distribution side any very few that look like us so it makes me amazingly proud to um to have met somebody like mac mcdonald you know yeah. vision seller i mean he's everybody's uh -huh. uncle uh <laughs> yeah and and you know just just realizing um uh that he is not only doing this thing but he's doing it at such a high quality level mm -hmm. and you know you have to be proud of that um because you know there's always a tax that that we pay you know uh, we gotta yeah yeah we, we we gotta we gotta be on the top of our game when we when we enter into various uh sectors and various industries uh otherwise it'll eat us up you know um and so when you see a bottle um when you think about the story of the Brown family in Napa, when you see, yes. mm -hmm. you know, McBride sisters and uh, Andre Mack, Maison Noir, um, and, and, and others, uh, 
you you realize that these folks have done their work. You know, they've done their work. And you taste the wines and you really appreciate that work that has gone into it. And so, I mean, it, 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 it's an automatic, you know, that I want to, I want to support, you know, and um, I, while I've been talking about all these other productions that are made by people that don't look like me for so many years, and kudos to them, I love, you know, I still sell those products. I mean, we're going to always have a vast array of products from all over the world made by every person in the world, from all countries, all continents, um, as many as we can, at least, um, that we're represented um, means so much, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking of some of the African-Americans, uh, we're speaking of the Bride Sisters, you know, African-Americans slash uh, New Zealand, <laughs> African New Zealand, but also, you know, folks like um, Zike Bella, Vaselina, you know, her and just her work, um, and hosting uh, wine dinners uh, for the last couple years, up until this year, uh, with her. I mean, we're executing this thing at such a great level that uh, I have no choice but to champion, champion these brands and to be super, super proud of the work that they are doing. Is it, is it, um, I hope that answers the question. Yes. Yes. Are you seeing that being a black winemaker or, or production from um, a black vineyard is the novelty is wearing off? Is it becoming mainstream now where somebody's coming in to ask for the McBride sisters, not because they're two women? who are making wine and they are African-Americans is the fact that they're making quality wine and people have heard about it and they like, you know, their wine and their wine in the can. Or is mm -hmm. it still a novelty well, to people? Well, um, I think it takes people by surprise that um, there are as many um, African-American wine producers um, people, especially, uh, you know, in the last couple months, especially, you know, just with um, people really seeking out uh, African-American businesses, um, ourselves being included in that, you know, when folks are blogging and posting about um, businesses in every sector, wine and spirits, especially, uh, you know, when it concerns our shop, but um, it's been, it's, it's one of those things where the quality shows, um, you know, Mac McDonald has been selling wines for many years. Um, uh, Andre Mac selling wines for many years. The majority of folks who've been buying those wines um, are of all races. And mm -hmm. I'll say that uh, they have been uh, presented in restaurants and wine lists and in retail shops. And I mean, with the production that they make, they're mostly being sold to white Americans, right? Mm -hmm. And they have been ex accepted because the quality is there and it starts there each and every time. Right. We are, we represent what, 14% of this country. If there's any brand or product that we take, um, whether it's a beverage or anything else, I think our mindset is to compete in the marketplace in which we're entering. Right. And that marketplace is a, is a dynamic marketplace. It's many times a, a cutthroat marketplace. And 
we can really only exist as long as we have a product that is exceptional. Then that's when you have staying power. And uh, that's what I, I find these wines to, to offer. So when I have, you know, really people from every race right now coming in and requesting African-American made wine, one of the joys is to see them come back. Like after they've already, you know, gotten that little little nudge by Instagram or whatever. Right. Or black, but then they come back and they say, whoa, that wine was great. And then, you know, I'm, someone's looking for a rosé the next time they can't come in and they're recommending because they hear me speaking with someone about maybe the, the rosé. Um, they'll say, yeah, that stuff is really good. I had it, you know, a couple weeks ago. Quite good. I'm coming back for another one, you know. And so uh, there has to be, the proof is in the pudding, the proof is in the bottle. You know, there's quality there. Um, uh, and if, 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 if you have survived, you know, for multiple years, just before, you know, it was cool to be, you know, yes. mainstream, Black-owned and operated, uh, you've already put the work in. And, uh, and it, it, it should show. And if those modeling don't continue to have success after, you know, the, the hype, die, the so-called hype dies down, um, then there's, there's, there's something, some other factors that are at play in my mind. Uh, speaking of your customers, is there a trend right now in your shop? Like, um, what are, what are people buying the most of? Uh, we do represent wine, spirits, and beer. Um, so we are a full, full, you know, alcohol beverage street retailer. Um, but certainly still right now today, rosés are still hugely popular. Um, and I think that we had a little bit of delay this year in rosé season, um, being that coronavirus hit and, um, uh, we had to kind of shift a little bit, although we always maintain an open door during these times. Uh, a lot of our energy shifted to online for fulfillment of pickup and delivery orders and all. And uh, But if you don't see the rosés in our window up front, you know, and all the brilliance of various shades of pink, um, then maybe out of sight, out of mind a little bit. And so that's starting to happen. Uh, a little bit that started to happen a little bit later so those are still very popular uh Sauvignon Blancs are hugely popular still um and so you know the refreshing whites in this 90 plus degree weather that we've had here in DC are uh refreshing yeah. whites and refreshing rosés are still very popular um which all of course um one of our number one brands overall like vodka Tito's vodka is huge um we have another vodka called Black Draft um, that's right behind it in a, in a vodka called Black Leaf, which is a uh, African-American-owned production. Black Leaf. Um, Black Leaf. Very Black popular. Leaf. Yeah, it is. Uh, growing in popularity behind Black Draft. Uh, Uncle Nearest Whiskey. I got to get some whiskey. bottles of that. It is I so we good. Just, we just got some oh from chats. Yep. Oh, my God. It's so good. Man. Oh. Man. That stuff Tom is Weaver smooth. Really... Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whiskey drink. I was Man, like, what? what in the world? I'm glad they yeah. don't. So, it, it really, it really is. Uh, the work that she's put in, the brand that she's created, um, you can hardly keep that on the shelf. You know, it, we're, I'm waiting on a shipment right now. Of, um, can I put in an order for a bottle, um, please? 
Can I reserve a No bonus? doubt, no doubt. Okay. You got it, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, I need that Absolutely. for my stock. Cause that goes to my next question. I know Sarita, see, Sarita gets on these um, Zooms and brags about, oh, well, I've got this delivered from chat. Oh, well, I got this. So you only deliver oh, in DC? A little, <laughs> you only deliver in DC? Yes, yes, that is correct. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. We only deliver in DC. Um, outside of that, it would be kind of another lane of um, uh, which would be the shipping lane. And yeah, we are we don't do shipping at this time. Okay, I got you. Okay, so so yeah. we, when he put yeah, my yeah. uncle nearest to the side, I'm a Zell somebody. Y'all keep my bottle, don't you? Just keep my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy it from him. Right. I want to buy it from my local right. county liquor store. I want to buy it from you to support you. There no doubt. You know. <laughs> I appreciate that. I so appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Bernie, I got Anytime, one more. Though. Yeah, I got time. one more. One more serious okay. question. Okay. You have, you mentioned yeah. that you wanted to really study all of your, your product in your store. Um, you have a vast knowledge. I mean, you know so much about everything. Um, I don't even know if you have certain certifications and it doesn't even matter um at this point what do you say to someone right. who, it doesn't what do you say to someone who is entering the wine the wine or spirits or even beer world and they're trying to increase their knowledge well i'll say that thing that you just mentioned nowadays and probably even before when i got into the business back in 99 uh 2000 um there weren't as many outlets and resources Mm -hmm. especially digitally online resources available um now it's like you know beyond super easy um to take a hour a few hours out of your day in the morning or in the evening to um be involved online um uh, educational you know platform uh, when it comes to wine and spirit when i got into the biz i mean working opening the clothes uh, I would, I had these, my dad has these books, like encyclopedic, you know, huge, uh, books of wine in his, in his office. Right. And so I started with that, but you're talking about some of the driest reading. Oh my goodness. It was, uh, quite the chore to, um, to really dissect, um, those types of, uh, those books. And these were books from like the 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, um, but I would Barnes and Nobles and Borders at that time. They were open sometimes 24 hours, if not till midnight. So I remember initially when I uh, graduated and came home from school and you know got 100 into this, I didn't really sleep. You know, I was used to cramming and staying up all night trying to study, finish up my senior year of uh, undergrad. And when I got into the biz, of course, hop in here in the mornings and go to the evening, and then I'll head over to Barnes and Nobles or, or Borders and go through all the latest magazines, you know, Wine Spectator, Wine Enthusiast, and so forth, um, and look at points, um, really dissect the information they were getting, buy books, you know, um, that were a bit more up to date. I think on a, one of the earlier podcasts, Rita, I think I heard you mention like the Wine for Dummies and so forth. Yeah. Those books. And yeah, like bought every single one of those, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, when Francis Robinson, you know, released that wine Bible 
it was like a phenomenal resource. Um, but along with that, um, just kind of studying, just trying to go as much as possible about um, great regions, terroir, and so forth. Um, understanding uh, some of the lingo, you know, through the, the uh, Vine magazines and all. Um, but then also, I had a wonderful group of suppliers that always gave me a phone call when there was a winemaker in town or a special group of wines to taste. And, hey, Bernie, just checking to make sure you're in shop today. I'm coming by with this assortment of, of burgundy. And say for instance, it was like a Louis Latour uh, tasting where they had like three, four dozen wines open uh, and they would invite, you know, sessions of three or three to five people in at a time. You know, I would get those invitations. Um, uh, going to as many trade shows as I could and so forth. Um, over time, you know, connecting these pieces and, and, and learning. And then when we started getting into uh, wine dinners and so forth, you know, uh, being a part of the decisions when it came to uh, pairing the wines and all just really helped to get my creative juices going and to uh, early on kind of submit my, my uh, standing in this industry. But you have to realize, I was 21 when I stepped into these doors. And once again, we were kind of attempting to make a shift from the old way that we did business to kind of a newer way to do business. Mm -hmm. And so bringing in new wines, I remember when I started, when I fell in love with Pinot Noir. And I didn't have any customers that loved Pinot Noir. And so whether they were inexpensive, you know, Pinots from the Languedoc region of uh, France, um, some what at that time were very inexpensive burgundies. I mean, the price of burgundy was just shot up through the roof. But I mean, a $25 burgundy, maybe even a crew burgundy of some sort. Or Oregon started kind of making a play and bringing in mm -hmm. some, some, some Oregon. I remember bringing in Archery Summit. And uh, this was back in like 2004, 2005 maybe. And not being able to sell any, you know? Wow. Um, to the point where I had to kind of do a little discount in a little bottle, bottom basement, you know, package deal just to move them because they were, they were stale on the, on my shelves. And, uh, and then all of a sudden a movie like Sideways comes out <laughs> and all of a sudden everybody's wanting Pinot. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I had a bunch of Pinot mm -hmm. that I'm sitting here discounting. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah. So people are coming in saying, hey, do you have Pinot Noir? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that one right there is on sale, like half price. And I immediately had to take that sale off. <laughs> you know? I know uh, you just because, You know, just some flow of information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there were, I, I lost quite a bit because like Archery Summit was one of them. We had their uh, premier, uh, their, their, uh, what was it, their premier, Premier Crew, Premier Cuvée, I think they called it, Premier Cuvée, uh, 2002 in stock. And then the points came out for that wine. I fell in love with it like in the fall. We bought it in. Um, I thought it was going to be amazing for Thanksgiving and holiday, you know, time. And of the 10 cases I bought of it, we may have sold like a case of it through holiday. And so like February is coming around where we're starting to get back into um, featuring wines and bringing new wines in for the, for the 
the screen. I'm sitting here discounting it. And all of a sudden, the points come out, like, in like late February, early May, where Spectator or Parker or somebody gave it some crazy points. And, uh, of course, everyone started showing up immediately. And what I had on the floor, boom, out of the door. And, of course, what I was going to bring out next, like the next five or six pieces, of course, that discount had to come off, <laughs> you know. But everyone all of a sudden was uh, interested in Pino. And it was just one of those things. I was, I was happy that I had already um, studied what I studied. I knew what I knew about it. And nobody, although no one else did, I was just a little bit ahead of the curve. And sometimes it takes just committing to what you know is good and great and has potential and helping to develop, you know, your, your, um, your market towards it. Um, you can't do that with everything. You have to have some product that you can sell right away and all, but it's that mix. And that, that kind of um, gave me some, some reassurance that some of the decisions that I was making were worthwhile. I had done my homework, you know, and our product selection at that time really did show that, uh, that, that I, we kind of had what it took to uh, continue to be successful in this, in this uh, industry. That's interesting. One more serious question. We had, we did a podcast with Tawani Price um, about the South African ban on alcohol. And do you see any okay. effects of your ordering any South African wines with, because this is the second round that South Africa has banned Af alcohol. The first round they didn't um, allow any exports, but this round they are. So are your shelves still stocked? Um. Well, I'll say that we haven't felt it yet here. Um, the brands that we carry, they're still in, in supply. Okay. And uh, I know this is this has been happening since COVID. Right. Since COVID, you know, um, has okay. devastated the world. But um, I think that the supply line, um, inventories were coming in and or slated to come in like March, okay. April you know, for some of our suppliers with their South African portfolio. So uh, for, so I think that, that the supply will be, is decent right now, and especially since the restaurant business has truly been devastated, you know, and so the supply line for the last four months of wines have really been more retail, you know, uh, yeah. oriented. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little less competition from the restaurant for availability of particular wine um and so we haven't quite felt it yet but of course you know it's a trickle down effect and it's, it's only a matter of time potentially that we do feel those effects okay. um if this goes on uh for another six months then certainly um we're going to either fill it in the fall with with um inventory levels uh and supply same or next spring early 2021 when right. the new vintages are starting to come around. So okay. I haven't felt it as much yet, but it's, it's really only a matter of time. Because I didn't want to think it was like Lysol. I needed to come in there and just get all the damn stuff. <laughs> thing with Lysol has gotten on my damn. Okay, I'm sorry, see Go ahead, baby. <laughs> right, right, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was no like, doubt. let me get down there now. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> 
Going through the aisles like, 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 no, just wiping them out. Red. <laughs> All the South African wines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've noticed that a couple, I, a few of my, um, a few producers I've noticed, um, you know, have been uh, on social media and so forth saying it's a problem for them to move wine out. And so I know it's going to be a problem um, in time. And, you know, uh, I, I, I hope that there's a, there's a, some type of find, some type of remedy, something that um, alleviates, you know, this, gotcha. that depression of the, their economy, um, the wide producers' economy soon and stuff like that. So. Excellent. Thank you. Guys, yeah. any more questions Absolutely. for Bernie before, <laughs> before we ask him some fun stuff? Fun stuff. No? Oh, I, okay. I do. I do okay. have one quick question. One, a quick question. So recently, okay. I've been reading about um, millennial movement as far as in the wine industry, and that there was this grand prediction that millennials were going to be drinking more wine, and they've been drinking more of um, what's the little the things in the see? I'm telling Here? my age now. Oh, the spirits oh, in the uh, can. The seltzer. Yes, the, the seltzers, seltzers, like the, right. the truly, truly and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Thank you for helping an older woman out. Um, <laughs> no, not, I'm literally looking right at it. So you know, <laughs> have you seen that? Have you are, are millennials actually picking up an interest in wine, or are they, you know, going truly to the seltzers and spirits? Um. Yeah, well, I'd say definitely millennials are are still drinking wine, but um, this thing with these seltzers, crazy. This I, I I used to call it a fad, but I don't know if it's necessarily a fad. It's been mm -hmm. a couple of years now, and folks are picking those up left and right, and um, and so I think that that's certainly another option. But whether it's a, whether it's more so competing with wine, in spirit, and or beer is unknown right now. Okay, it feels like mm -hmm. to me that um, so many of our traditional beer drinkers. So instead of the millennials coming in and picking up a twelve pack of Miller Lite or Bud Light, they're opting for the Trulies or White Claws. And okay. So forth. Um, and still drinking, you know, the millennials still coming in there drinking wine. They're still coming in and everybody's drinking spirits these days. You know, everybody's drinking whiskey these days. It's crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. Tequila, um, getting back into to rum and some of those cocktails. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I don't know if necessarily, um, the truly has taken away primarily wine and or wine consumption alone. I think it's also had an effect on beer. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's an interesting segment right now that I really haven't figured out. Um, I haven't made two cents about it <laughs> over the last mm -hmm. couple to a few years that they've been hugely popular. Uh, the first year, which was like, what, three years ago, two or three years ago. Um, I said, all right, well, that's, that's, that was fun. We'll see what happens next year. Mm -hmm. and the following year, it just grew. And then I said, okay, <laughs> maybe we have something else on our hands here. It's really making a play, but um, but I think it's an option that's popular right now. Um, with anything these days, 
I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of interest in it right now, but will it really have staying power? Will like be the option that everyone is going to in droves over the next couple of years still? I don't know. There's been bubbles that have been built in this industry over and over. Um, and something is really, really hot at a, at a particular time. And then all of a sudden it fizzles. So that's the, right. that's the worry. I've seen all these new brands come about. It kind of reminds me of if I can, you know, I won't use the brand again, but like Australian wines, right? Especially here in the city, in DC, when the Australian wine bubble was at its height. I mean, everybody, mm -hmm. nobody came in. I'll say four out of every five people that came into the shop, they wanted an Australian wine of some sort. And it started with a particular brand. And then after that, it was just brand after brand after brand after brand from like the $6 to the $30 brand. Right. Everyone wanted an Australian. And then all of a sudden, there was a huge burst, a huge bubble burst of Australian wine. And nobody wanted them anymore. Similarly, you know, the Oaky Buttery Chardonnay. Someone made uh, a, a mention of that a little earlier. That Oaky Buttery Chardonnay that was hugely popular when I got into the business back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then all of a sudden, there came a time when nobody wanted right. Oaky Buttery Chardonnay, mm -hmm. especially here in the city. And this is really, you know, the city is where um, it's a very different um, market than just across the border into the suburbs and definitely into the rural areas. It's very different markets that are at play. Um, uh, when, when the bubble burst, it usually happens here in the city first, and I haven't seen the bubble burst yet on those, uh, hard ciders, but, uh, whether they're the, going to take over the world, I don't think so. There'll be a replacement at some point to get those millennials attention away from it. Eventually. I made that prediction first. <laughs> 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 I'll say it's, it's up to us. It's up to us to build that trend. It's up to one of us, one of, uh -huh. one of these producers, to build that next trend. You know, uh -huh. we're trendsetters. Yes. So Very you know, point. yeah, we have to find we have to find that next it thing, whatever it is. You know, so in a couple of years from now, you know, that it thing will uh will uh will be championing. Uh, we'll have some interest in. Okay, Brandy, so we'll ask you uh, a few fun questions now. So the first one is, what goes in your smoothie? And everybody can answer. Uh, me first? Yes. Uh -huh. um, my smoothie, is this an alcoholic beverage or <laughs> like a... It's whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, I don't know. When I, in a smoothie, I would have to say... Uh, uh, I want to say maybe tequila, you know, mm. but probably right now, mezcal. Okay. Mezcal. Yeah. Okay. Something that adds up a little more, more dynamic to that smoothie. A little, little buzz. I can get a little buzz on it too, you know, okay. but uh, some tropical fruit profile and hint of smokiness, you know, for a little character. I like it. Tanisha, wow. what's, what's yeah. in your smoothie? Girl, I don't have a blender. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't drink smoothies in Paris. I don't have space for a blender. No, not you can't buy a smoothie in Paris. I mean, but it's probably like banana. Key oh, Tanisha, I didn't banana. realize you were in Paris. <laughs> it's so good to see your face. Long time no see. Hi. <laughs> hey. Yeah, probably like some chia seeds and banana and like kiwi or something. Like that's the smoothies they have, and like some mm, strawberries. Mm. Girl, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't drink that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Glennis, what about you? When I make my smoothies, I do a super greens. Mm. So it's a shard kale and um, what's the other one in there? Shard kale and spinach. So that's mm. super greens. Turmeric, um, some type of mixed fruit, which usually is uh, mixed berries because mm -hmm. I like blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. And um, depends. I might put some flax seeds in it. I might not. I might put some um, um, Greek unsweetened yogurt yeah. if I want some protein. So Greek mm -hmm. unsweetened yogurt. And then I'll fluctuate. If I have some other fruits, I might take the kiwi mango, but it depends on what fruits I have. But the basis is the greens and the um, protein. Mm. Leslie, what about you? So I will use a protein powder and um, definitely spinach. I always put spinach in it. And then the fruit may vary. And then I'll put a, um, a cashew butter. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And um in oat milk. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, always oat milk in there. Mhm. Mm yeah. I'm pretty plain. I like um blueberry. I like blueberry and banana and that'll be pretty much it. A lot of times I don't even like yogurt in it. I like it. I, I like ices better than smoothies. Mm. So, um yeah, um, mine's a pretty plain. I'm going to just go on record and say I'm going to drink Bernie smoothie. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bernie's smoothie sounds a lot better than everything ours. Everything they said sounds great, but it needs to have some that's in it. <laughs> I'm drinking Bernie's smoothie. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's usually just it can have so all beautiful. all those whatever your favorite ingredients are, as long as you have a little spike to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bernie. This next question is just for you. What do you drink the most? I mean, you have everything at your disposal. What do you drink the most of? Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, uh, I drink quite a bit of wine, of course. Um, but I'm a huge spirits fan as well, to be honest. Um, uh, a few buddies of mine and I, uh, you know, have kind of been delving into to bourbon these days or really just whiskey in general and so I, I'm drinking probably more whiskey than I used to um, but still wine you know um, uh, from I'm, I'm a bit more of a of an old world fan mm -hmm. so whether it's Sancerre or I think I mentioned Brunello a little earlier um, I can do I can do just fine with, with some vino okay all right yeah. All right. <laughs> Next question is for everybody. What was your last outdoor activity? Leslie, you go first. Of course. Um, my last outdoor activity was I am I'm getting back into golf. So I was oh, at nice. the driving range. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very nice. Tanisha, what about you? You've been outside a lot more than us. I'm drinking outside. Like does that count? <laughs> That counts. I did that a few hours ago. Like, does that count? No, that counts. Okay. Yeah, that's my activity. Oh, was this supposed to be like, I mean, I walked to the bar. So. You don't have to justify your You don't. Time. You don't. It's a safe space, girl. You safe. I don't know what kind of activity. So you can take both of those. Walking and drinking. That's what okay. I Okay. All right. And wearing a mask. I had on a mask as I walked. So Good job. Good mm -hmm. job. Glennis, what about you? 
Okay, so activity has seems kind of broad. So mm-hmm. my activities for outside has been searching for damn Lysol. I told y'all that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. They're gonna catch me without Lysol again. So I got my schedule. I'm up and out. Get my schedule. Okay, so fun stuff. Um, I have to follow Tanisha. Drinking activity with social distancing mm-hmm. at my local spot. You know, we social distance because now in Montgomery County, I think mostly a lot of places now, they take a part of the street and put all mm-hmm. the outside. Yeah. So I go outside to my local spot and sit there and have a an, an adult beverage and I stare out to the distance and act like that's the beach. Okay. The wind blows. I'm like, oh, this is here. I'm in Paris, yeah. <laughs> oh, you need a couple of palm trees if they mm-hmm. put some big palm trees yeah. up. Let me get my palm tree right now and put that in the background. Blow <laughs> <laughs> you up a palm tree. <laughs> That's what we do. Get that's that tequila smoothie. Excuse me, the best house yeah. smoothie. Now that would yeah. be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds perfect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> All right, Verdi, what about you? Let's see. Last activity. Outdoor activity was that the question? Last mm-hmm. activity. Um. Well, yeah. Just uh, Sunday grilling. Mm. I've been grilling lately. Yeah. Uh, firing up that grill and uh, having a ball. You know mm-hmm. this. this Past Sunday with salmon, you know, on the grill, mm-hmm. and uh, had a had a few few wonderful wines, you know, to open up with it. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, I, I have a large, I have a somewhat large family. It would be considered a large family, you know, in today's standards. And so, uh, bike riding was happening after that, you know. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So mm. little That's little cool. little grilling. Little wine, mm-hmm. little little spirit, little cocktail, you know, and a little bike riding, you know, before if you indulge too much wine cocktail. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what like it's been. It. That's what it's been. Yeah, I like it. Uh, mine's is pretty much the same. I went to my first social distancing cookout. It was eight people. Oh, the the yard was large, and um, I hadn't done that in a very long time. So that was nice, just being around, you know, people again. People, mm-hmm. yeah. Isn't yeah. it amazing how much you missed that? You, I know. Like, you I know. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. But you're going to get over there real fast. Let me just tell you. It's cute at first. First two weeks is fine. Then you're going to be like, listen, if y'all don't all go away again, I just want to go. <laughs> you're going to be back to saying no to events. Nope, I can't do it. Nope, I'm busy. It's fine. <laughs> just, so enjoy right now. Enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next question. Name your favorite restaurant in D.C. And Bernie, you go first. Mm, that is a good question. But I'm going to cheat just a little bit mm-hmm. um, and go just outside on Georgia Avenue. Georgia, Georgia Avenue, uh, actually right across the line in Silver Spring. I'll have to say Chris Fields. Yeah. Oh, love Chris Fields. Yes. Yeah, Chris Fields. I mean, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, on a on a on a Sunday afternoon or what have you, parents saying, "Come on, let's let's go take a ride," and uh, we'd end up in Silver Spring uh, at Chris Fields. I'm thinking, you know, that's an place, occasion. You know, 
it's, it's one of those yeah. things. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, they've been around forever. You see all the pictures on the wall of the who's who that over the decades that have been in there, and there's a reason why they still exist. They just put out an amazing scene. You know? mm. So that's really the, that's that's my go-to right there. If okay. I, I, I can dine in, that's great, but, you know, I can run up there and grab something. I would have to say that's the place that I that I crave. That's the place I have mm-hmm. cravings for. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and then and then uh, secondly, all these amazing restaurants is right here on Barracks Road. Happy pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> right here on Nice, nice place. When I can't get when I can't get the Christmas fields, they're the ones who ones who are feeding me. So <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. No doubt. Uh, Leslie, let's go with you. Okay, if I feel like spending a mortgage, <laughs> I love the Blue Duck Tavern. Oh, nice. That's okay. fancy taste. She uh, said a mortgage. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glennis, what about you? Well, my favorite was, well, Chris Fields, you, you know what, you got me with that one because I'm stuffed shrimp. Mm-hmm. Crab stuff. Crab. Mm-hmm. Yep. Crab yep. You got it. You got it. Oh I man. Um, but <laughs> one of my favorite restaurants that is no longer in existence because of exactly what you talked about early, earlier, Bernie, renting mm. space instead of yeah. owning was Ten Pin mm. on Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh wow! Mm. I remember uh, that place. Yeah. Wow. Ten Pin. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, that Asian fusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite um, restaurant in DC because I could walk, I could go to lunch, walk right across that. Oh, God, it's just an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, well, shit, since we've been in COVID, in the grill. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Order update. Uh, they delivered to me in Silver Spring. What? Maybe you might need to just get that. Oh, 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 right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have to make it happen. Wait, wait. <laughs> Tanisha, you got an answer? I don't. I was really trying to think, too. Like, what's my favorite? But, man, I ain't even been in D.C. in a minute. Yeah. Popeyes. Yeah. <laughs> well well, i think i'll name mine um let's see for a fancy restaurant um keith and ken is is probably my my favorite right now yeah i love they make the fried snapper and it curves Mm -hmm. over Y'all seen my Instagram. You can see the fish head. You looking right at it. (laughs) 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 When I tell you I can eat the whole fish from head to tail. Mm, So good. Um, Let's see. Uh, And if I'm just like want some carry out, there is a place in Tacoma Park on the DC side called Peach's Kitchen. And oh it's, yes, it's Caribbean. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's an mm-hmm. old Caribbean lady named Peaches. She just turned sixty five, actually, oh, oh. and she she and it is just like the true Caribbean spot. It's slow. They take time. <laughs> it ain't necessary. You ain't gonna get no good service, but the food is gonna be banging. Yeah. So those are my two. <laughs> there you go. Can I just Absolutely. throw one? Have to check them out. 
yeah. one throwback plug that it was always like Chris Fields, it was always a big treat for us if we went to Hogate. Oh, it sure. was like you had to be on your A game mm -hmm. <laughs> to get yeah. there. And the rum buns, oh my God, they were just, they were so heavenly. Yeah, yeah, I know my favorite yeah. restaurant as a kid was Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. Exactly. Uh, That's all. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was the spot. That yeah. Was, was the spot. <laughs> Gary's too with that crab bomb. Sure. Sure. You know they have one in Bowie now. Yeah. Yeah, sure do. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, last question so we can let Bernie go. Sorry, Bernie. What <laughs> what no is most <laughs> yeah. What is more likely to be on your bucket list? Publish a book, learn a new language, or have a TED talk? Ah, aha. that's a great question. Yeah. Interesting question. Um, gosh, I guess I would have to say out of those three, I wouldn't mind learning another language, but I think, you know, it's tough for me unless I were to move to another country for a while, you mm -hmm. know, and that could be, that could be exciting for sure. You know, yeah. got a lot of work to do to get to that point, but that could yeah. be really exciting um maybe in retirement you know yeah. uh, so i will say that that would be a long-term goal the fact that i moved to another country for a little bit of time and uh, to learn that language there that mm. would be super exciting um but publish a book you know sounds sounds super interesting uh, yeah you well. can write a book that's, that's yeah. something yeah that's something that you know i've uh i've, I've some others had uh put on my brain to mm -hmm. think about a couple times but and so maybe between those two yeah. Nice. Yep. 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 what about you? I think I'm gonna have to agree with Bernie. It would definitely have to be the language and um, coupling that with travel. So I would love mm -hmm. to, because at first I was like, none of the above. She don't got travel. I can't say where I want to go. What? <laughs> I have to use these. It would be the language and. Um, in a different country. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Tanisha, what about you? I actually have TED Talk and book on like my bucket list. So like <gasps> most of those, I mean, I'm already doing the language thing. So mm -hmm. like that, Yeah. and we're not learning another nothing. <laughs> and that's it. But yeah, give a TED talk and publish a book. Those are both of those are absolutely on my list. Like it is a book on my vision board now. So right. okay. I love it. I love it. It has it has to be the language. I'm not writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want ghostwriter? You don't want ghostwriter book? You don't want to do an audio book? Nar narrate a book? People ain't right after they write a book. It's just, it's like birthing a child. No, it's, no uh-uh. It ain't got to be like a book about your life. Girl, it could be a kid's book. Mommy's not drunk. Did you just say it could be a kid's book, Leslie? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> be a kid's book for a friend's kids. I mean, not none of our kids, but, you know. <laughs> um, 
For me, I think, yeah, publish a book, probably. Um, I have no desire to do a TED Talk. Ah, a language, I'm good. Um, yeah, publish a book. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I think I think I'm more in line with like uh, with Bernie and um, Glennis. If I were to learn another language, I would have to live in a different place. I don't have that type of discipline to do it here. Right. So mm-hmm. that's me. Is yours gonna be a cookbook? Cause you sleeping. We need to market them cooking. Exactly. <laughs> Bro, that shit. I, she was raising with the bok choy. I was like, I'm going out to Serena's house. <laughs> And Sarita ain't invited nobody over now. Yeah, girl, it's day. COVID, girl. Ain't nobody been invited over here. You've been cooking before we know COVID. You uh, Thank you. <laughs> we knew you in February. Right. In January, Years we ago. In December. We knew you last November. We knew you last summer. Sarita, we'll buy groceries. You just okay. have to cook them up. There okay. we go. That's fine. And chat delivers to her. You could order the damn one. <laughs> Let's do it. Y'all asses are crazy. Bernie, <laughs> uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, again, the address to your shop. All righty. I'll start with the address to our shop. That is 5038 Street, Southeast Washington, D.C. That's the number 8, 8 Street. Uh, we're here on Capitol Hill, um, one block away from the Eastern Market Metro Center, um, and on the historic Barracks Road. Mm-hmm. Um, social media, you can find us at Chats DC on Facebook, for uh, Instagram and Twitter, that's Chats Liquors, C-H-A-T-S-L-I-Q-U-O-R-S. And um, check us out at ChatsDC.com for links to all those. Uh, as well as our assortment of beverages from around the world. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. You were a fantastic guest. Thank you. Thank you. Great seeing you. Absolutely. It was great seeing you as well. You enjoy friends. And ladies, thank you so very much. It was an honor to be on this podcast with you all. Uh, it was entertaining, fun, insightful, and uh, I really enjoyed speaking to you all. Yes, excellent. All right. To you and your family and successful. Yeah, continue success. Continue success. Thank you. Thank you so very much. We plan on it. We, we appreciate the support. No problem. Have a good night, Bernie. Good, good night. night. You good night. all as well. <laughs> Be well, ladies. Bye-bye.